Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a university fellowship podcast. My name is Lewis Hines, and I am the worship pastor here at UFC. Today, I suppose, is another special episode where I have the pleasure of not being interviewed, but actually doing the interviewing. And I am interviewing our very own Christopher Robin Moore. Well, thank you, Lou. This is a pleasure to be on this side of things. <laughs> I thought we'd take this in an NPR direction and calm you with Beethoven's third waltz. Uh, no, thank you, Lou, for that emotive. Yeah, you know me. Enthusiastic. Um, my hype level right. is off the Through charts the right now. <laughs> so I get to uh, ask you the questions, Chris, and you always ask me, what's God doing in your life? Because that's what we talk about here on Eat the Scroll. Um, what is God doing? What are you chewing on? What are you thinking about? Um, so I'm going to pose that question to you. Hmm. What do you think about Chris? Hmm. What's been on your mind lately? Uh, I have been uh, the recipient of a great privilege of going to ye old university. Mm. And I am going for my bachelor's of biblical studies and theology. It'll be a pastoral degree. And so one of the classes I get to take right now, cause I'm through all those boring required classes, book, um, and I get, I'm onto the electives. And so one of the classes was uh, C.S. Lewis and apologetic thought. Nice. And I thought, well, you know, if you have to twist my arm, I Perfect. guess I'll have to read that one um, or take that class. And so I've been reading through screw tape letters, which has been a lot of fun. I gave it a shot once before and was an undisciplined little juvenile uh, when I tried the first time <laughs> to, to read it, the <laughs> to first read time? it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but obviously I want to uh, get a good grade. So, yeah. and learn something. That's <laughs> the most important thing for sure. So I, there are three things that he talked about that really stuck out to me and I'll just briefly state them and then we can take a little Whoa. bit of a dive. First, maybe uh, you can give us just a really quick 30 second synopsis. Like what is the screw table? Like? Yes. People might not know. Yes. Let me, let me, but first, <laughs> You. Hey, I'm asking the questions, Chris. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, C.S. Lewis is a, a Christian thinker, uh, kind of a, a miraculous lay leader of the certain era that is not now. When was he around? World War One. World War One, World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. So he is long gone, most famous for his Chronicles of Narnia series. Mm -hmm. He wrote a sci-fi series. But what made him so impactful was his Christian thought and his apologetics delivered in just layman's language. Yeah. So anyone could grab grab a hold of it. Yeah. So he wrote the Screw Tape Letters is one of his many books. And this is a pretty fun book. It's very unique in that it describes correspondence from Wormwood to Screw Tape. And the nature of these letters is that Wormwood is a senior demon who is writing to Screwtape, his nephew, who's like a, a novice demon. And they have, Screwtape has an, an, a patient that he's responsible for, that he's trying to keep away from God. So when you say um, a patient, you mean a human? Yes. That's sorry. That's how they refer to him as your patient. Yeah. The patient. Like he's a doctor, except he's a demon. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so interesting. And it's very fun because they often refer to the enemy which is actually which is, God. I remember when I first read that, I was like, I, you just, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to compute at much. first. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's fun because you, in your mind, you're kind of reverse engineering all of these things they're describing because yeah. he's giving strategies to try and confound 
the faith. Yeah, the Christian. Um, So that's kind of the premise of the book. It's a very fun read. Each chapter is relatively short. There's a variety of um, audio options you can listen to. Even on YouTube, I'm listening to John Cleese of Monty Python. Mm. If you're familiar, great voice. Um, There's a full dramatized version. Anyways, the parts that have really stuck out to me in my reading of it so far associate with parties, introspection, and this idea of false humility. So the first piece, parties, he's talking about all the opportunities that we as humans have to align with a tribe, a party, an ideology, mm. etc. We're not talking like parties, like you go to a party. Like woohoo, yeah. get down. No, this is like a group of people that you identify with. Right. Yes. And the the idea at play is that it creates a, a space where now we have an other. So mm. by aligning with these parties, we have an other. And what we tend to do with the other is demonize them mm. and dehumanize them. So like the other party becomes vilified, like those people right. are my enemy. Right. Yeah. I think of like the Samaritans, mm. the Jews during the Holocaust, um, you know, Republican or Democrat, depending on which party you align with sure. here in the U.S. Yep, that's pretty poignant. Yeah. So I thought that is um, remarkably um, uh, clear, especially in today's day and age. You know, he was X amount of years ago. I can't do the math in my head, but sure. um, those words still ring just as true today. And I think through my own life and go, okay, who who have I vilified mm-hmm. so that I can justify abuse, bad attitudes, yeah. poor poor um, interactions, or reinforce my own behavior mm-hmm. towards those individuals? So, um, as I think from a Christian worldview, um, you know, it's not totally impossible to think about some denominations mm-hmm. within the faith yeah. or um, non-believers. That's a sure. big giant category. We could go, oh, those yeah. heathens uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and lose sight of the fact that we are um, no better than they are, even though we're better off than they are because sure. of the gospel. Yeah, we were once in that party. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, in in the means of getting across the party line, so to speak, sure. was grace. It was unmerited favor. We didn't even do anything to merit mm-hmm. being, you know, changing sides. Yeah, and so I thought about that just in those contexts and and who I interact with and had a conversation with some uh, close friends of mine and dialogued about this, which. Um, you know, for some, it was easier than others. Mm-hmm. And just talking about the politics of our state here in Oregon mm-hmm. and very, very strong feelings existed. And I thought, okay, but, but what is the core identity of the Christian? It is not found in red or blue or mm-hmm. this or that or the other. And you can have, and you should have, I think your faith should affect your, your um, um, politics. But when it becomes something that supersedes that of your faith mm-hmm. and your biblical foundation of your life in the gospel, we got a really big problem, which is idolatry. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of the first idea I had that's really great. stuck with me. Yeah, that's awesome. The fact that following Jesus cuts across certain party lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that really does um, resonate with me, especially when we talk about um, like you mentioned different denominations mm-hmm. um, that are still within the realm of orthodoxy, but, right. but um, you know, what is an open-handed to close-handed issue here at UFC? We talk about 
the pyramid, the triangle, you know, you have top, middle, bottom tier. So like where are those beliefs falling? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so good. And then especially as politics become more and more seemingly a division within yeah. um, our you know, United States. It's like, yeah. Um, uh, red, blue mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily matter um, in some senses, but following Christ. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I'm reminded of that verse, you know, that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against mm-hmm. principalities and powers of the air. And I think anything that seeks to um, divide outside of the realm of Orthodox doctrine, because I think doctrine divides. That's mm-hmm. part of the purpose of doctrine is to establish is like, what is sound theology? But outside of that, I think that we have to be really, really careful outside of those really core issues on how we navigate that mm-hmm. and who we write out of our will, figuratively yeah. speaking. Sure. You know? <laughs> um, at the very extreme, who we put outside of the reach of the gospel and our compassion towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having a conversation with a guy years and years and years ago, and he just had some of the nastiest things to say about homeless people. Mm. And I thought, my heart breaks for these people. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. Did some of them put themselves in that life? Absolutely they did. But are there other factors? Yeah, there mm-hmm. are. And does right. it matter? Do, do these people still need the gospel? Yes. They still need the gospel. For sure. So politics or class or, you know, denomination, we have to be really careful about how we align and vilify the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that really stuck out to me is something that is kind of interesting. And I'd love your take on it because I know some of this stuff is in vogue or some of the stuff are things that we discuss on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. But one thing they talk about is how effective introspection is at um, paralyzing the believer. Mm. And, um, oh, mm-hmm. he talks about screw tape mm-hmm. yeah, and wormwood. Okay. Yeah. As if we can, if we can keep people focused continuously on me, myself, the state of my mind, these kinds yeah. of pieces, it keeps us inward. And I think that was part of the conversation around parties was it keeps your benevolence inward yeah, and stops your, your charity, your mercy, your compassion from ever going out. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because I am a very introspective person, mm-hmm. but I can certainly say from experience that um, on one hand, I I very much value a lot of the growth that I've seen from that time, mm-hmm. but I've also seen like, I am super prone to spiraling and, you know, you look into the abyss long enough and then it looks into you and all of a sudden your, your introspection has turned bleak and dark yeah. and you can't get yourself out of the, the melancholy or, or what have you. And so that was especially poignant to me just thinking, okay, it's like thinking um, one example he kind of provides, and I don't want to get move on too quickly, but is humility. And the moment you, you recognize your humility, you stop being humble. Mm -hmm. Like the sense of there's almost a, a benefit to having a, a concerted effort, outside of yourself mm-hmm. and and not in your head. So what are your thoughts on the dangers of introspection? Have you seen that in your life? Do you have pushback for those ideas? Yeah. Uh, great question. I think that as with a lot of things, um, and kind of a classic answer, but that there should be balance. Yeah. Because on the one hand, I do think that if there's quite a bit of introspection done, it can debilitate. Um, 
you know, you use that word and it, it just becomes very me focused, very self-centered. Um, on the flip side, I would also say that the lack of introspection could also be debilitating hmm. because, um, sounds complicated. <laughs> I don't want to mess with it. <laughs> uh, because, um, I, I know of, uh, personal, um, examples, both of me, but then also like other people that I know mm-hmm. who, uh, it's either too messy or don't want to deal with it or any stuff. I, and I think that can also debilitate you from truly loving other people, mm-hmm. um, being able to be honest with other people. So I do think that there's a balance. Um, where's the line is like where the, my mind goes like the next question, like, well, where's the line? Like, when do I start doing it too much? Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I think as always the Christian ethic of love and love being defined as choosing what is best for the other person beyond like your own emotional mm-hmm. sentiment or feeling. So if it, if at some point it, it, um, it's not encouraging you to love. I mean, that would just be like a really quick answer, I suppose. But, um, I think it is necessary and beneficial, um, just within balance. Yeah. As with a lot of things. What would you have to say for the person who would rather go than slow? <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that was great. It just came to me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> High five. <laughs> That'll <was> preach. <laughs> um, yeah. Well then I would encourage you to slow down. Um, I am one of those people who I'd prefer to be busy. Um, and I, but I've learned the benefits of going slow and, but doing things cause I like doing things, but so now I, I do things with that purpose. So like a journal mm-hmm. that helps me to be weird. Yeah. That helps <laughs> me to, that helps me to be, um, introspective, but also do things at the same time, you know, cause I'm actually like writing. I'm not just like necessarily sitting out there. Although you made the comment that I just stare out my window. All day. Yeah, you guys would not believe how much staring at the window Lou does. No, we've talked about this just to kind of segue to a slightly different topic on um, how there's that adage. And I think I heard it from Craig once that pastors should spend more time staring out the window, like as a general rule than they're likely to yeah. do. Because they're right. likely to kind of go fix, meet needs, care for people. Like that's pretty natural or at least right. on the forefront of the responsibility list. Yeah. But like stopping and staring out the window, you won't find that on a resume or a yeah. <laughs> job description. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's huge benefit to slowing down, allowing your mind to think, to process. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, sure. I've seen certainly seen great benefits to staring out the window, <laughs> to slowing down, to writing yeah. things out. Um, I've also seen where that gets out of balance. So I, I agree with you. I think it is a matter of balance and, and finding what's right for you in that season, in that state of life. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I do think sometimes there is a propensity of either self-loathing or self-gratification that can come from yeah. staring at your own wounds. Sure. And then it's like your identity is being wounded and you're dealing with your trauma or these kinds of things. And as somebody who has worked very, very hard at those things, mm-hmm. um, I do think there is a temptation to say mm-hmm. that's just my trauma or that's this or justifying a way of life mm-hmm. because all you can do is stare at your navel and yeah. contemplate yourself. Right. So I found that to be helpful as just kind of a check and balance for making sure it doesn't fall too far in one of the spectrum or the other. 
and coming to grips with, oh, there there are ways that this could go wrong or become problematic for people. Yeah. Um, you know, probably specific types of people. Maybe sure. everyone wouldn't struggle with this, but. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that kind of stuck out to me was this idea of false humility. Hmm. And you've probably heard the adage, um, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking mm-hmm. of yourself less. Right. And um, he talks about how false humility, you know, the moment you start thinking, I'm so humble, or how do I communicate myself as being really humble? Sure. Um, then we're actually disguising a vice in place of a virtue. Hmm. Like we're, we're saying, no, no, don't, don't look directly at it. Mm-hmm. I promise you, this is humility. Don't right. turn the lights on, you know, and you should try and shuffle it past your, uh, your common sense or the scripture. And, um, and it made me wonder, like, how do you navigate a life of humility without becoming self-indulgent mm-hmm. and saying, Lord, I am so humble. I'm so <laughs> humble. Or, you know, the attaboys that sometimes we can give ourselves um, without also being negligent of the need for, as a characteristic of Christianity and Christ is humility. Yeah. So what what do you feel like you've seen that work out in your life at all? Great question. So I was actually talking, I feel like, anyways, uh, I was actually talking with somebody about humility uh, today. In fact. <gasps> Who was it? Tell us, we'll tell them how humble they are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I agree with C.S. Lewis up to a point. Mm-hmm. So um, he is an apostle. He wrote the second Bible. Oh, it's good. just the collection of his works. Nice. <laughs> oh, I thought that was your Spurgeon. <laughs> oh, Spurgeon. I love Spurgeon. And Pink and Edwards. Yeah. Anyways. Um, you know, I, I do believe in the adage, you know, um, not thinking of your, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I believe that. But uh, I also believe that you can know if you're being humble or not. Mm. How? How? So... I think true humility is having to the best possible degree mm-hmm. um, a realistic uh, uh, point of view concerning yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, scripture says, um, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Mm-hmm. I think that is humility. So I think you could fall on either ends of that spectrum. So you could think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. I am so amazing. I'm so wonderful, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I also think it's on the other side where you can, as C.S. Lewis said, um, think less of yourself. Mm -hmm. But to realize that each of us have, um, whether through um, God-endowed nature, abilities, skills, or through the nurturing of certain gifts or talents or abilities, um, we have we are better at things than others. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know that I can play the guitar. I know that I'm not the best in the world or even necessarily the best at this church. Yeah. But I have that skill. Shout out Craig. I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have that realistic assessment of myself. Now I think if I was prideful, I'd say, yeah, I'm the best here. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Only I know higher, that I'm not. Or bring on bad bad guitar players that you look better. (laughs) So, and you know, just like you have um, skills and ability in graphic design, I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing those Mm -hmm. things. 
um, you know, people listening to this probably have gifts of hospitality. That's great. And you should acknowledge that um, or gifts for prayer or whatever. Um, so that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now we're really easy at deceiving ourselves. So no. we want to be careful, <laughs> but I do think that they're too, we sometimes feel bad for like acknowledging like, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. Um, no, just acknowledge it. God yeah. has blessed you with that gift. That's my thought. Yeah. I definitely think when I think about this topic, I think in terms of like the, the essential value of the human being, how it's to me, there again is two ends of the spectrum where on one hand you're, you're rubbish, you are worthless, mm-hmm. you know? And if you, in a sense, there's like when you consider total depravity, like there's a piece there that is true, but, but for the believer, you have to, you can't stay there. Like you're a new creation. You're mm-hmm. new in Christ. You're being transformed from one measure of glory to another into the likeness of Christ. And there is um, extrinsic value, I think, placed on you because of God's love for you and because of his, the imago, the, the image of God that he's made you in. And then there's another end of the spectrum where you think, um, you know, you can just walk up and kick in the throne room doors of heaven and say, God, mm-hmm. give me this. Like I'm coming in authority yeah. or, or whatever, just thinking so highly of yourself. And sometimes I, I definitely tend to hang out a little bit around the lower end of that, mm-hmm. you know, um, sure. but I remember reminding someone just recently about, about that value that they, we are valuable because God put that value on us through his love, through his rich compassion and mercy and his goodness. And, um, and we can remind ourselves that all of our failures can be laid out and there still be excess of grace and mercy new every morning. Um, especially as it pertains to those things. And I think too about, um, cause sometimes it's easy for us to compare ourselves and uh-huh. humility, I think plays a factor in there, but I'm reminded so often, especially looking at scripture of how God, um, what it, what's the saying? He equips the called, not calls the equipped or some, something. Yeah. Something like that. And I think of Moses oftentimes, you yeah. know, sometimes David, although David was a, a rock star and a lot of he did, what he did, but Moses, like he had, a, he had insecurities and a speech impediment or something along those lines. And he murdered yeah. somebody and well, so did uh, David. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saul killed his thousands and David killed his tens of thousands or whatever. Oh, I'm thinking of, uh, Oh yeah, Uriah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, <laughs> Anyways. But, but the point being is like I can identify with Moses because yeah. I go that guy wasn't the guy to yeah, pick. Yeah, for sure. Like he wasn't yeah. the deliverer for Israel, yeah. but he was because God decided he was. Yeah. So yeah, I like what you shared. I like that um, being of sober mind as we look at ourselves and um, kind of make make a proper assessment so that we're not yeah. caught in false humility mm-hmm. or some trumped up. I'm garbage or, but I think that truth is found in the character and work of Christ Mm -hmm. and his word and constantly meditating on those day and night, which could go back to our introspection. So love it. Hey, full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Anyways, well, well, that's what I got. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for sharing today. Um, This has been, (laughs) 
never know how to end it. I know how to start it. I just don't know how to end it. <laughs> like and subscribe. Bye, follow me guys. on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'll take us out then. Uh, Lou, thank you for taking the time to let me share what I've been chewing on in my brain. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. And thank you, listener. listener. <laughs> for... <laughs> For, for listening, listening. <laughs> we, we will, will <laughs> we will catch you next time. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> All right, guys, Lou, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, listener. And uh, I thought I just ended it. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 